Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, good morning. Who is excited for church today? Come on. Can I get a shout like you had some coffee this morning? Who's excited for church? Uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started Center Set three years ago with a dream. We call it our God dream. God gave us a vision, a dream to create a church not only Christians would love to attend, but listen, unchurched people. So if you're new, let me tell you, you are VIP at Center Set today. Uh, please stop by and say hi. My wife would love to say hello to you. And we are in a collection of talks called The Bible is My. And every week we've been talking about what the Bible means to us and how it changes our life. And week one, let me do a quick recap. It was our foundation. Now you can't just be around the Bible. Like some people go to the gym, they're around gym equipment, they think they're going to lose weight. No, no, no. You got to engage with it. You got to build your life on it. You got to trust it. And we talked about this idea, if the Bible is true, it changes everything. And then last week we talked about how if the Bible is true, it will cut you. Remember Angela Johnson 10 years ago? She, she had that skit where she was working at a fast food job. I will cut you. And Jesus was saying, I will cut you. But he's not a psycho with a knife trying to kill you. He's a surgeon with a scalpel because he's trying to save you. And he's got to cut some things out because they're hurting you. And today I'm going to get a little rowdy. Can I get a little rowdy today? I taught last week. I'm ready to preach today. So if you hear something good, get ready because I'm coming. Uh, Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. If you see it on the screen, say amen. Amen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle. Isn't that not good news this morning? That the guy who wrote two-thirds of the Bible had struggles. He didn't say your struggles. He said our struggles. Is that not good news this morning? That we're not alone in this struggle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's a scary verse right there. Therefore, but I got good news for you. Therefore, someone say therefore. Therefore. We're a loud church. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, someone say when. When. He didn't say if because it's coming. Question is, are you ready when it comes? When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Let me tell you, winning sometimes doesn't feel like winning. Losing is not the, the, the way that you think losing is. Sometimes in the kingdom, victory is just standing. It's not falling back. It's not giving up. Sometimes victory is just standing where you're at. That's victory. Stand to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with the feet with Nikes fitted with the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace. If you're an Adidas fan, we love you, but it, we're spirit-filled here. In addition to all this, Take up your shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flames of the the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And uh, the premise today is if if the Bible is true, if the Bible is true, you got to hit back. You got to hit back. And I I I brought an illustration. I've been trying to bring an illustration every week to help 
you remember the sermon. In week one, I brought cinder blocks. Remember I was standing on cinder blocks? And last week, I brought scissors. And we cut out a heart, a piece of paper. Today, I'm going to try to do this secretly so you guys don't see what it is. And I want to try to surprise you. I'm not, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what's in the bag, and some of you do not. And so if you do know, keep your mouth shut in the name of Jesus. And here is, uh-huh. There you go. Got boxing gloves. Because if the Bible is true, you got to hit them back. Got to hit them back. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin. And i got a rowdy day for you guys. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. That your, the word of God, illuminated by the spirit of God, is enough to produce the people of God. God, we love you. But the story of our life is your love for us. That we're not in here, God, because we're good. We're in here because you're good. You pursued us even when we walk away. You come after us even when we're faith, faithless, God. You're still faithful to us. I pray for every person in this room that's overwhelmed, that's weary, that's wondering, what do I got to do to be loved by God? Remind them this morning, God, speak to them that they already are loved. And if you believe it, everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I got a confession. It's a pastoral story. You're going to judge me. But it's okay if we took your stories and put them on the screen, we would all judge you too, okay? <laughs> the Bible sometimes is very clear. Don't do this. Sometimes it's very clear. Do that. Sometimes there's gray areas. This is one of those gray areas, okay? So don't judge me. I got two kids, five-year-old and a two-year-old. And in quarantine, when you couldn't leave the house, you were cooped up. Either you loved your family more or you wished you could put them up for adoption. Amen? You don't even know what I'm talking about. It was one of those days where I wish we didn't, even though I do love them dearly. Let me just tell you. And I got a, a, the five-year-old, is she's mature now. She makes her own bed. She can brush her own teeth. It's awesome. The two-year-old is different. Some of you don't believe in God. That's okay. Just go to a birth room and see a mom give birth. You'll believe. Some of you don't believe in the devil. You need to hang out with a two-year-old and you will believe. The two-year-old, her nickname is Chug Chug because Bam Bam is already taken. This one is, like, she's like burly. She, when she wants something, she will take it and run. Don't laugh. Some of you are 30 and you still do that. Come on. There was a day, right, where she's, she's bullying the five-year-old because she, they're almost like, she, she's two, but she wears size three, size four clothes. And she wanted this toy, and all day long they're going back and forth, the five-year-old and the two-year-old is passive. Filled with, she doesn't do anything. She just takes it. Tears after tears. Dad, what am I supposed to do? And I'm trying to, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to give her these verses. Like, like give, give, her, give your sister the toy. It's better to give than receive, honey. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giving her what, what we do in kids' ministry. It's not child care, by the way. It's, it's leadership development. Anybody grateful that our kids are being taught biblical principles? And one of the principles there is hands are for helping, not for hurting. So I'm telling Chug Chug, Chug Chug, we don't do this. Put her in timeout. What do you do, though, when you run out of verses? You know, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek. My, my daughter, the older one, she's turned all the cheeks. The one's here, one's in the back, everything. Every, all the cheeks are gone. <laughs> what do you do when you run out of verses? So I did something that many of you are going to judge me. I took my five-year-old and said, listen. I got down eye level. You got to talk eye level with kids. I said, listen, the next time she hits you, don't tell mom. Hit her back. Hit her back. You, you need to defend. She's bullying you. Sometimes, I'm telling you, the enemy's coming for you. And he's beating up your family. He's beating up your, your marriage. He's beating up your calling. And as a good Christian, you don't know what to do. You think you're supposed to be passive. Sometimes, 
Hit him back. Someone say, hit him back. This is the title of my sermon today. If that's true, the Bible is my defense. The Bible is my defense. I didn't say offense. I said defense. Because the enemy's coming for you. Let me try to be very clear. I'm not condoning violence. Listen, don't, don't punch people because they upset you. I'm not, I'm not teaching that this morning. But what I am saying is there are times, even in a court of law, where you will not be in trouble with a little violence. You know what that condition is? Self-defense. Self-defense. And some of you, you, you're all about offense. You're all about the demonic. You're all about studying the scriptures and reading about demons. And not only is it weird, it's unbiblical. There's a story in Acts chapter 19 where these dudes, they're all about the demonic. They're called the sons of Shiva, and they go looking for the demonic. Some of you, you're like, oh my gosh, the water is lukewarm. Cast out the demon of lukewarmness. It's like, what? You get a flat tire on the way to work, the demon, no, bro, you need to change your tire. There's not a demon behind everything. And you go looking for demons, and that's what these guys did in Acts chapter 19. They go looking for the demonic, and they find it. Trust me, if you look, it will come for you. Trust me. And the demon says it bloodied these dudes, stripped them naked, and sent them out running. It says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, I don't know who you are, and then beat them up. And their issue was not that they believed in Jesus. Their issue was they made the demonic their mission. You don't need to make your mission the demonic. In the same book of Acts, multiple times the disciples would cast out demons. Why? Because they made God their mission. And when you make lost people your mission, listen, I'm telling you, the demonic will come. But you need to go look for it. Listen, the moment you say, I want to put God first in my life, he's going to come for you. The moment you want to put God first in your marriage, he's going to come for it. The moment you want to put God first in your parenting, he's going to come for your kids. You, you, the moment you make God your mission, the demonic will come. You, don't, you just need to prepare for it. I want to encourage some of you, if the Bible is true, you got to learn to hit him back. Not in an offensive way, because it's my defense. It's my defense. And let me just give you the caveat. The el- speak about the elephant in the room. Some of you do not believe in the demonic, and that's okay. That's why I love Center City. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. It's a safe place to ask questions, to, to, to push back. You, you struggle with God. Your struggles with God. But if you want to babysit my two-year-old, you will believe after the weekend. Let me tell you right now. Let me tell you, I'm trying to make spiritual warfare as simple as I can. I want, to, I want you to write this down. This is, will help you understand. Spiritual warfare is for all the things in life that you can't punch. So you actually don't even need these. They look cool. They'll help illustrate the sermon, but you don't punch the demonic. There are three areas that are unexplainable, undeniable, and unbearable. And the first one I want to speak to is the unexplainable. There will be times where you will get eight hours of sleep, you slept good, you ate good, you worked out, and you'll wake up tired, burdened, overwhelmed, and you don't know why. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. There are times where you will be, it will be unbelievable. Someone say unbelievable. Unbelievable. There will be crisis at church. There will be another crisis at at work, another crisis in your family, and you'll be like, why are all these things happening? This cannot be a coincidence, because it's not. It's spiritual warfare. And then it's unbearable sometimes. Your child gets sick for the fifth time this year. Someone in your family loses their job yet again, and and your spouse and you aren't talking yet again. And there will be times where you will feel helpless, and you cannot punch, because that is spiritual warfare. And there are times where, I'm telling you, the enemy is coming for you. He's not chug-chug, he's a thug-thug. And he's trying to bully you. He's trying to intimidate you. And he's trying to attack your family. And you need to learn how to defend yourself. 
You don't need to go looking for him. Go after God and God will give you the authority, give you the power to defend yourself. You don't need to be afraid of the demonic. And if anything, he's afraid of you. If he's afraid of you understanding who you are in Christ, you're calling. Because if you knew who you really are, you would make him run. You would make him run. And the, the thing I'm trying to convince you is that I'm not just trying to teach you how to get, fight back, but to get your fight back. Because some of you are not fighting back. I'm going to give you a verse that will help you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And this is my favorite part. The violent take it by force. Some of you need to get sick and tired of the enemy coming for your marriage. You're not taking my marriage. Some of you need to get sick and tired of the enemy coming for your kids. They don't, they're not in church. You're going to pray until they do come back. Some of you get sick and tired of him coming after your health, your job, your, your finances. Some of you need to learn to fight back. Listen, I'm all about being pacifist between nation and nation. I'm all about conflict resolution, having a therapist d- bring out disputes between two people. But the demonic, his language is violence. You don't negotiate with him. You push back. You hit him back. If the Bible is true, hit him back. Someone say, hit him back. I want to teach you not the art of self-defense, but of spiritual defense. Can I do that this morning? First thing you got to realize, number one, write this down. Know and study your enemy. Know and study your enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, I read this. I'm going to read it again. It says, for our struggle. Someone say struggle. struggle. Things we all deal with. Is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me give you the context. This verse does not make sense until you understand what, where and why Paul is saying it. This is Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, parents, obey your children. I'm sorry, children, obey your parents. <laughs> parents, yeah, that was my brain fart. I apologize. Parents, don't provoke your children. Husbands, die for your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Then he goes to employees. Employees, submit to your boss as if you're submitting to God. Employers, take care of your employees because you have to give an account to God one day. He's talking about all the different relationships where there's tension, there's conflict. And after all of that, he says, your battle is not with flesh and blood. What he's really saying is this, write this down. You might fight with people, but you're not fighting against people. See, some of you, you're fighting everyone in your life. You're fighting your boss, your spouse, and you don't realize it's the spirit behind that person. Spiritual warfare. And some of you, you're taking the Bible like it's a shank. It's called the sword of the spirit. It's meant to defend you. And what you're doing is you're using it to shank people with the truth. It's not meant to hurt people. It's meant to love people. You're, not, you're called to love your neighbor, not shank your neighbor. And you say that, you laugh, but we do it. We pull out these verses, they obey, not realizing you're not even arguing with the person. I had to learn this the hard way. My previous church, I, anyone go to an ethnic church? Maybe you went to a Hispanic church, you went to an Asian church. I went to a Persian church before I came. And for those of you new, once you go Persian, there's no better version. Come on now. But any, anytime you go to a, an ethnic church, whether it's Korean or Hispanic or Chinese or Korean, sometimes they're more that culture than they are Christian. Right? And so I was in an Iranian Christian church. I loved my time there. I was there for a decade. But man, it was very hard to be a Christian in that context. Because I'm an American. I wear skinny jeans. And they're like, why, why do you wear your wife's pants? Come on. I'm like, I look good in these. And then if, in Persian culture, you're not allowed to dye your hair. 
If you're a man and you die, they will, I, Americans will talk smack behind you. Persians will talk smack to your face. Let me give you a real example. One of my friends, they come up to him like, John, why are you fat? You should lose weight. It's like, what? They're that savage. If, if I had, I would wear ripped jeans. Like, are you poor? Why, why you? Why? Don't be stupid. Don't wear those jeans. They would say the worst things possible to your face. So imagine your boy wanted earrings, and he wanted to dye his hair. This was back in 2007 when when uh, Jersey Shore was really popular, right? <laughs> Just confessing. Don't judge. And some of the parents in my youth group heard, and oh my gosh, they started talking so not to their kids and to me. And I remember having all these verses, like I went and studied, I read books, I, I listened to sermons. I was like, I am ready to shank some fools. Tell them why they are Pharisees. If you're new to church, like what's a Pharisee? Pharisees are very religiously uptight person. You know they're a Pharisee when they look like this all the time. Looks like someone <laughs> farted. They're never happy. It's like, you're in church, bro, come on. And I'm like, I went to my pastor, I'm like, I'm going to tell these people they're wrong and they're Pharisees. And my pastor sat me down and said, Ali, listen, some of you need to hear this clearly. He said, you don't fight your brothers and sisters. Those are Bible verses, not bullets. And you're fighting the spirit, not the person. And if you don't learn to fight the spirit, not the person, you'll fight that same spirit in another church. You'll fight it in your work. You'll fight it in your marriage. It will keep following until you learn how to fight that battle. See, some of you going from relationship to relationship to relationship, wondering why do I keep having this conflict? You don't have people problems. You have demon problems. And in that church, there was a spirit of pride that you have to be more Iranian than Christian. And you don't fight the people, you fight the spirit behind the people. That's why some of you, you go from church to church. You go from work to work. My boss is crazy. I'll believe you the first time. The second time, the third time, it's like, bro, maybe the conflict is not your boss. Maybe it's that spirit you haven't learned to conquer. And so many times, people, I'm just telling you, if you don't solve it as a son, it's going to follow you as a dad. And if you don't solve it in your life, your children will have to solve that problem. Some of you don't realize that you do not have people problems. You have spirit problems. And I had to learn this principle. I'm not fighting my brothers and sisters. This is not a shank to hurt people. It's a tool to defend myself against the enemy. Because if the Bible's true, i got to learn to hit him back. Not people, but him. There are four things I want to give you on how to hit him back. You guys ready? Okay, I'm gonna, I need some audience participation today. First one, we're going to do this. Everyone put your hands up. <clears throat> on the count of three, do this. One, two, three. Point number one, it's the throat chop of truth. Ha! It's the throat chop of truth. Let me read you the, this verse in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes you will go into a dry season and it's not because you did something wrong. It's because God wants deeper intimacy with you. He wants to reveal himself in a greater way. And you got to understand the enemy, he comes because he's a liar, but he's also a deceiver. And deceiving is worse than lying. So let's say I lie. Say the, 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 the Lakers are a good basketball team. That's a lie. They're a good volleyball team. In boxing, when someone's trying to punch you, you see it. It's telegraphed. They, they pull back, then they try to punch. So what do you do? You duck. You know when it's a lie. That's why deception is harder to understand. Because it looks good. It sounds good. And even if you believe it, you don't even know you're wrong. That's why you're deceived. 
the enemy will take what sounds true and he'll add lies on top of it. And it's, it's the sucker punch where he pulls this one back and he punches it with his hand. And what Satan wants to do in this, he wants to deceive you. And the only defense is the throat trap of truth. Where for 40 days Jesus was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Man, if I go four hours, I'm hungry. Jesus went 40 days. And, and let me just address, today was supposed to be the day where I hand out the prayer journals for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I just want to apologize. The printer messed up. And the guy who was supposed to print them didn't print them, and he's going to print them out on Monday, but Monday's a holiday, so he's going to give them, print them on Tuesday. So what we're going to do is we're just going to push back the day where we start the 21 days of prayer. We're going to give them out to you next Sunday. Amen? Please forgive us, but we're going to start it. September 12th. Awesome journal. You're going to love it. He was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Did you see it? He was a throat chop to the of truth. What Jesus is doing is he's not fighting, he's not punching Satan. He's attacking him with truth. Satan says, Are you God? That's truth. Jesus is God. Are you hungry? Truth. Do you have the power to turn rocks, minerals into manna, rocks into bread? Yes. Facts, facts, facts. But what Satan does, he takes the facts and tries to write fiction. He tries to take the facts and tries to write a story. And some of you don't realize it, Satan's writing your story, not God. You're fighting with your wife, and he'll whisper, you're always going to fight with your wife. All of your friends get married, and you're still single, and he'll whisper, you're never going to get married. You, you, you lose your job, you deserve this. You, you, you can never keep a job. And he's not telling lies. What he's doing is he's talking about facts, but he's creating a fictional story. He's trying to create a narrative. And Jesus, in this moment, he's being set up. He's being told, God's not going to take care of you. You're suffering. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Turn the rocks into, into bread. And it is true. Those things are, Jesus is hungry. But imagine if Jesus turned those rocks into bread in this moment of suffering. Who's to say when he's on the cross, dying for our sin, that he wouldn't get himself down? See, the setback is really a setup to trick you. He's trying to tell you a story. He's trying to get you off the path and your calling of God because he's really trying to question, make you question the goodness of God. Will God really take care of you? Is God really good? And some of you, you need to pray this prayer right here. Write this down. When God doesn't change the facts, ask him to change the story. When God doesn't change the facts, ask him, some of you, your life situation, it is challenging. Your kids are not in the house of God. Your finances are broken. You do have that addiction. Your marriage is broken. It is bad. Someone in your family does have COVID and it doesn't look good. Those are facts, facts, facts. But that's not the end of the story. The enemy wants to put a period where God wants to put a comma. He wants to tell you, you're always going to be single. Your marriage will always be broken. You will always be addicted. And in those moments, you have to choose Am I going to let Satan write my story or am I going to let God write my story? And in those moments where you hear that lie, the only weapon that you have is not to tell him to shut up, not to tell him to go away. You fight back with truth. It's the throat chop of truth. And what verse am I going to give you? Philippians chapter 4. Write this down. Verse, Philippians 1 verse 6. And I am certain that God, someone say that God. 
who began the good work. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because God's good. I'm not here because I love God. I'm here because God loves me. The story of the Bible is not filled with good people who love a good God, but evil, broken, messed up, jacked up misfits like me and you that are loved, pursued, and loved by a good God. Amen? Amen. Can we give God a shout of praise for a second? That God came after me. He saw all the evil, wicked, dumb, stupid things I've ever done, and he loved me anyways. That's why I'm here, because of the goodness of God. That God who began the good work, and this is the part that you need to whisper in your spirit, will continue. Someone say, will continue. That's future tense. Will continue the work until it is finally finished on the day of Jesus Christ. My marriage may be broken, but it's not done being healed. My finances may be bad, but God's not done blessing me. My kids may not walk with God today, but I believe God's going to bring them back. Come on, I may be addicted, but my God's a chain breaker. Some of you need to, need to stop allowing Satan to write your story. If he doesn't change the facts, ask, ask God and pray God changes the story. Amen? Ha-cha! Chop of truth. You ready for the second one? Okay, this is, you gotta put your hands up, both of them. Extend this hand out, cock it back, and go, ah. One, everyone on three. One, two, three. Ah. Number two, write this down. The slap of serving. It's the slap of serving. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other. I tried to tell that to Sophie. She ran out of cheeks. <laughs> and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. See, this is not a verse allowing someone to just punch you in the face and do whatever they want. This is, there's a deeper principle here. See, when I was in elementary school, fourth, fifth grade, we would play football, we would play basketball, and guys were always fighting. I know this is like hard for some of the girls, but we would literally box at least once a week. And what's crazy is the guy you fought yesterday, he'd be your best friend the next day. You just got closer from the conflict. And there were times where like it was almost a, like a, a badge of pride if you had a bruise or a black eye or you were pushed down and you got back up. But there was one thing that if it happened, listen, you had two choices, move away or call in sick for a week and hope there's some drama in your elementary school. And that's if someone slapped you. Because <laughs> if someone slapped you, that was disrespectful. And what you've got to realize is the enemy, he, he knows violence begets violence. When someone is disrespecting you on the road, what's their first reaction? You want to get in front of them and cut them off. When someone says something rude in the grocery store, you want to say something rude back. And that's what you got to realize. He wants to incite anger. He wants to incite rage. He wants to incite violence. And how do you fight back? The equal but opposite spirit. When the enemy curses you, you bless him. When he says, I hate you, say, I love you. When he wants to beat you down, you build him up. You do it. You be disrespectful because you are not fighting your spouse, your boss, or people. You're fighting a spirit. And the only way to silence the spirit, bah, the stop of serving. You do the exact opposite thing that he wants you to do. You want to win the spiritual war? Do the equal but opposite thing that the enemy wants you to do. Because my flesh wants to fight. My flesh wants to push back. My flesh wants to say something mean. But I silence my tongue. I say, I don't, I'm not fighting flesh and blood but I'm fighting the spiritual things. My fight is not with people. My fight is with demons. And I don't punch them. 
I love my way out of this. I remember there was a, a pastor friend of mine. Sorry about that. Pastor friend of mine, he told me the story about how there was a young man who joined the worship team at his church. And this dude played drums. And if you play a musical instrument, we were always looking. So holler back at your boy, Ethan, or myself. And this guy was, was playing drums every week for four straight weeks. And one day after church, he comes up to the pastor and is like, Pastor, I just got to tell you, I just joined the church. But my mom, she died on, on Tuesday. And the pastor realized this guy played drums that day. And he said, dude, why didn't you take the day off? Why didn't you just, like, go mourn and, like, lament? We got other people. And this is what the dude wrote. Let me read it to you. He said, I thought about my mom. And I thought about her in heaven. And I thought about if this is her Sunday in heaven, I want her to see me doing what she's always prayed I'd be doing. See, some of you don't realize the enemy wants you to stop serving. He wants you to stop coming to church. He will do anything. He's going to give you cancer. He's going to give you divorce. He's going to come after your job. He's going to come after your kids because he wants you to, he wants you to get angry and fight back because violence begets violence. But the only way that you can win is not by throwing a punch, by doing a slap of servant. Let me talk to the husbands real quick. Some of you husbands, come on. You got to learn how to win in your marriage. You come and work at 9 10-hour days and your wife doesn't love you. Maybe it's been a month since you've had intimacy with her. Come on. All the men, please hook us up, a brother up, right? And, and, and your wife doesn't appreciate you, doesn't say thank you, all the things that you want love. You want love, you feel disrespected. You want to be pursued and she, she doesn't do it. What do you do? How do you win? You can either fight your wife with the shank of the spirit or you can battle the spirit behind your wife. And you serve her. And you sweep the house. And you do the laundry. And you clean the dishes. And she says, why are you doing all this? You can just tell her. Tell, you, tell your pastor, says, I ain't even doing this for you. Because I'm winning. I'm going to do the equal and opposite thing that my flesh wants. I'm disrespected. I'm going to love you. You don't love me. I'm going to love you. See, the, the gospel is I'm going to give you what you don't deserve, even at great personal cost. The world is conditional. I'll love you if you love me. I'll serve you if you serve me. The gospel says the way I win is by going low. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you what you haven't given me. And I'm going to give it until you give it back. That's how you win. The slap of servant. Let me speak to all the, the people in this room who's, who's maybe, maybe your mom. Maybe your mom or dad died when you were growing up. And you never had a dad. You know how you get the enemy back? You go be a mom or dad for someone in those kid ministry. You go be what you never had. That's how you win. Because you may never get it, but you can give it. Because the enemy, he wants to take your serving. He wants to take you out. The, the greatest thing I can invite you to is to join the dream team at Center Set. To join the dream. Because listen, let me just tell you, we don't need you to serve. Your faith needs it. Your marriage needs it. Your kids, your personal walk with God. Because there are times, listen, you want to fight. You want to get angry. You got to practice. You got to practice. Slap in. The enemy with serving. Amen? Amen? Number three. Let's go to the third one. And this one is, you got to get low like, no, 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 go back, go back, go back, go back. You got to get low like this. Look at me. Don't look at the screen. <laughs> okay, everyone, everyone do this. Everyone do this. And then we're going to do this on three. One, two, three. And if you're a millennial, it's, ah, Dukin. Because you're a street fighter. And number three is this, the counterpunch of prayer. The counterpunch of prayer. 
Read with me Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit. Woo! Can't wait to preach that one day. A couple weeks ago, we did a worship night. I taught about spiritual baptism. That there are three baptisms. The Spirit of God wants to fill you and baptize you. There's also a spiritual language that God wants to give you. That's what he's talking about there. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds. Someone say kinds. Kinds of prayers. There are different prayers that you pray in different seasons. When you first become a Christian, you pray differently than when you have kids and you're married. You pray differently when you're in a hospital room and someone's dying. You pray differently when your marriage is about to fall apart and you're about to get a divorce. You, there are different kinds of prayers that you pray in different seasons of life. And sometimes pain, sometimes obstacles open those doors. You, didn't, you would never have prayed those prayers unless that thing hits you. And it's okay. Kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind... Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. There is a, a boxer by the name of Muhammad Ali. And uh, I don't just like him because he has the same name, even though it's a great name. But Muhammad Ali, he's not considered one of the, the strongest punchers in boxing. That guy's probably Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson has the most knockouts in the first round of boxing. It's like 18 out of 22. He, this dude was savage. And he was the most watched, the most popular boxer because he would, like, destroy people in the first round. That's not what Muhammad Ali did. Muhammad Ali was faster and smarter. He was playing chess when most people are playing checkers. And he had this one battle called the Rumble in the Jungle. Some of you older know what I'm talking about. He fought George Foreman. All you millennials, you think it's a grill? This is a boxer. (laughs) Corny dad jokes, you love them. And Muhammad Ali, he had the strategy called rope-a-dope because he knew he couldn't outpunch for him. Foreman is one of the strongest punchers in boxing history. The dude kept boxing even when he was in his 50s. Why? Because the dude could knock 20-year-olds out with his right hook. And Muhammad Ali, just, this was his defense. He just would allow Foreman to punch and punch. And when Foreman got tired, pa, he'd punch him. And that's how he won the fight. Not that he overpowered George, For- George Foreman, that he outsmarted George Foreman. And some of you, you don't realize, the enemy will whisper in your ear. And you can do the, ha, the the throat chop of truth. And you can do the serving thing, the slap of disrespect and get the enemy back. But there will be times where the enemy is George Foreman in your life. And you cannot outpower him. And he will overwhelm you with blows, with sickness, with your marriage being bad, your finances breaking, and some of you, you're just getting punched and punched and punched, and you don't realize that you think you're weaker when life hits you to your knees. When life gets too hard to stand, kneel. I said it this way. When life brings you to your knees, take advantage of this position. This is not a position of weakness. This is strength. Because I was weaker when I was standing. When I was hungry, now I'm hungry and I'm desperate. But when I was standing, I was full and comfortable. The enemy messed up. He should have kept me full. He should have kept me complacent. Desperation opens doors that complacency keeps shut. Listen, the enemy, the Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, that faith, the side of a mustard seed, it's the smallest seed, can move mountains. Faith can move mountains. But let me tell you a secret. Prayer moves God. Prayer moves God. Faith may move out, but prayer moves God. There is something that happens when I'm down here. There's a different kind of prayer. There's a different kind of desperation. You pray differently. You cry out differently. You can, you can th- choke, chop the throat of the enemy with truth. You can sweep 
by serving. But listen, there is something that is not unlocked until you pray, until you call to God. There are doors that will stay shut until you're desperate. This is a position of strength. When life gets too hard to stand, kneel. Kneel. And there are different kinds of prayers that the Bible says that are open when you go into that season. This is the counterpunch. Ah, Dukin. Of prayer. I love, I, I love the karate chop. That's fun. I love this. Ah, slap them. This one's good too. But my favorite is this one. On the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. Number four, it's the win of worship. It's the win of worship. Let me... Let me end with this. There will be seasons in your life where you'll do all the right things and it will still feel like you're losing. And in those moments, you have to make a choice. Am I going to do what feels right or am I going to do what is right? Am I going to come to church when I feel like it or am I going to do the right thing because I know it's the right thing to do? And the enemy, he wants to steal your worship and you've got to learn to worship God even when it feels like losing. There's a story in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I preached on this in, on 4th of July weekend. I'm going to rehash it. The enemies of God are surrounded. There's a king named Jehoshaphat. And the two enemies of God are surrounding the nation of Israel. And they're overwhelmed. They're, they're outnumbered like by hundreds of thousands. But then the enemy does something very smart. He splits. He goes on both sides of the enemy. Of, of Israel. You ever played the, the game Risk? My favorite country was Australia. Because there's only one way to come in. And like, Europe is the worst. Russia, America, North It's the worst because everyone is surrounding you. Australia is the best because there's only one way in, one way out. So imagine this game of Risk. You're in the middle and the enemy has put 10 armies on each side of you. So you got to split five and five. So now all you're outnumbered, now your army's split in half. It's in those moments where you're surrounded and overwhelmed. Some of you are overwhelmed this morning. Some of you, life is just beating you down. Your boss, your finances, your family, you are overwhelmed with life and you feel surrounded. And you come to church and you don't know what to do. This story is your encouragement. 2 Chronicles 20 says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Think about this picture. He told all the men to put their gun back in the holster and instead pull out the trumpet. Put your sword back in its said, pull out your drums. Put your shield away and pick up a banner because we're going to sing even though it feels like we're losing. This is the song. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab at Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I wrote it like this. To worship in the middle of your trial is to remember how your trial ends. 
Some of you have forgotten the end of the story. Uh, a couple months ago, my wife and I, we watched this crazy movie. I didn't want to tell you what it was because it's not, it's not, there's cuss words, there's drugs, craziness. And this is one of those movies that was like very entertaining, but very stressful watching it. And imagine, we're in quarantine, you get home with kids, you can't do date nights. So date nights became DoorDash at the house and we watch a movie on Friday nights because I don't like watching movies. So to watch sit down with my wife, this is a big deal. And I let her pick the movie. And she picked the worst movie ever. Half, I'm not even like halfway through the movie. I am standing. I am so stressed out. I am pacing back in the room. I'm, I'm like, why are you doing this to me? I work a 50-hour week job. I'm stressed out. People are crazy. And you're having me watch this movie? I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. And I do the one thing I can do. I pull out my phone and I Wikipedia the ending. I go, oh, oh, thank God. And I just sit down. And she's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. And for the, for the last half of the movie was 10 times more stressful than the first half. Didn't bat an eye. Didn't even flinch. Because I knew the ending. Some of you forgot how this story ends. God's coming back. I know your marriage is broken. I know your loved ones have died of heart disease and cancer. I know the world is crazy right now. But our king is coming back. I, we know the ending. It's not Wikipedia. It's the book of Revelations. And every tear, every sin, all death, all decay, all divorce, gone. Because our God's coming back. And he's going to take the enemy who's been tormenting us and to throw him in the pit of hell. And the point of worship, it reminds you of the ending. You don't worship because you're winning. Worship does not change your circumstance. It changes your perspective. That my God is big. That my God is big. And even when I don't feel like it, I win when I raise my hands. I win when I raise my hands. And let me remind you, the enemy, he doesn't give two craps about you. He hates your dad. So if you want to get me, you, you can't hurt me. I get emails all the time. Y'all are nasty sometimes. Not in this room. Christians are nasty. Doesn't hurt me though. If you really want to hurt me, go hurt my kids. Then I'll be hurting. How do you hurt a God who can't be hurt? You go after his kids. That's the goal. The enemy doesn't care about cancer. He doesn't care about divorce. He wants to stop you from worshiping your dad. He wants to stop you from coming to the house of God and doing this. His goal with cancer, his goal with divorce, he'll do, he's like, I'll do anything if I can just hurt them. Hurt them enough to stop them from worshiping me. And in your trial, in your pain, when you lift your hands, you win. Because you're telling the enemy, you're never going to stop me from worshiping my dad. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. Amen? Let's, let's do it, though. Let's stand. And if you got the faith, let's win. I'm not saying your marriage is going to change. I'm not saying your boss is going to be nice on Monday or Tuesday when you go back to work. I'm not saying your kids are going to listen. 
I'm not saying your loved one's going to accept Christ. I'm not saying that loved one who's sick is going to get healed. But what I am saying is that you're, you're, you're declaring to God through spiritual warfare, I'm never going to stop. I'm gonna, I, I can slap him with the truth. I can sweep with serving. And I can uppercut with the punch of, of prayer. But I win when I worship. I win when I give God the one thing that the enemy wants to take, and that's my worship. Divorce won't stop me. Death won't stop me. Nothing will stop me from praising the God who died on the cross for my sins. And I win even though it feels like losing. And I win because my dad loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. So the one thing, I, I can't earn my salvation. I can't earn my way into heaven. But I can say thank you. I can say thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on a cross when I didn't deserve it. I can say thank you when I was undeserving and the good work you started in me, you're gonna see it to completion. And even if my marriage never gets healed, I will never stop declaring the goodness of God over my life. Because even if he no never gives me another blessing, he's still worthy of praise. He's still worthy of it. Even if he never blesses you again, he's already given you enough that you can worship him for the rest of your life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jesus. That I don't have to fight people anymore. I have a spirit problem, not a people problem. God, remind me to love people and fight the spirit that wants to separate me from my loved ones, separate me from my boss, separate me from my wife, separate me from my kids. God, teach me that when the enemy whispers in my ear, you'll always be broken, you'll never find a loved one, your, your marriage will always be, you'll always be addicted. Let me chop throat him with the truth. And God, when, when the enemy attacks my flesh, when he belittles me, when he antagonizes me, when he wants to beget violence, let me come with the equal and opposite spirit. Let me do it with serving. When I'm cursed, let me bless. When I'm disrespected, let me respect. And God, unlock new kinds of prayers. God, unlock, change my prayer language, God. Let me cry out to you in a different way. Let me pray different prayers with you, God. But regardless of what happens, let me worship the name of Jesus. I win, God, when I worship. I pray for every person that can hear the sound of my voice. Encourage your church, Jesus. Fill them with your spirit. They are weary. They are overwhelmed. There is a struggle in their marriage, in their life, in their finances, God. Help them overcome. Help them win. Even when it feels like they're losing, remind them that they're loved, that you have given them power, you've given them authority, you've given them a spirit, not a fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. But I pray, God, for those in this room that have not started a relationship with you, Jesus, that never knew God loved them so much that he came and he died a death on the cross to defeat Satan, sin, and hell. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He was cursed so that we could be blessed. He took our place. He died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you this morning, and you want to start a relationship with this living God, on the count of three, would you be willing to raise your hand? 
One, two, three. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you're God, that you're in this room, that you love me, that you love me so much you left heaven and died for me. You paid my penalty of sin. You took my place so that I could have life. You defeated the enemy so that I could walk in victory. Thank you, God, that I have tools, I have weapons of warfare to defend myself, to defend my family, to defend my marriage and my faith and my home. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation. Everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.